0: You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. that's right gang we are back and back after a significant hiatus a couple of, a couple of weeks in the middle of the season so we do apologize if anybody was uh put out by uh not having a couple extra episodes of pros like us but we're back today and better than ever so uh bring in my pal alex kaftoff here we'll be talking about um Well, some some turnarounds, uh, some uh, changes at quarterback due to injuries. Uh, We've got the Lions. We've got coaches on the hot seat. We've got our MVP of the week. We've got picks. Got all sorts of stuff happening. But right off the top, I'm sure Alex has some thoughts or maybe some questions about the game last night. And that was Eagles at Chiefs. Alex? Yeah, I have to
1: get to this, Lou. I mean, it's fresh in our minds. The Monday night game. The Eagles got their revenge. Uh, They beat the Chiefs. It looked like the Chiefs had the game in hand for a while. They had a comfortable lead. The defense has played really well. I mean, the pass rushers on both sides. And Chris Jones was an animal. But I got to ask you about those Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers. You know, they... Travis Kelsey has a fumble in the red zone. MVS gets a perfectly thrown ball, uh, you know, placed in his bread basket, and he drops it. It looked like it was going to be a touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown. Patrick Mahomes is making excuses that he should have placed it a little bit better than he did, and, you know, he is pro's pro, and, you know, he's taking the, the high road, but... I, I gotta, I gotta hear it from you. I mean, you've defended these Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers, but those problems just continue to persist.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's the leader of the team. That's what he's gonna say, and he's gonna continue to say that. Uh, even though, I mean, he's had, I mean, his own struggles with the deep ball, but no, he couldn't have placed that any better. I mean, he was on point most of the night. There was a couple of bad throws, the interception uh in the red zone well in the end zone uh in the first half i mean that was just a bad throw and he i mean he's the first one to admit it um in terms of the wide receivers i mean these guys i mean mvs justin watson they're kind of they are who they are okay i don't know i don't know that they're going to change and mvs uh has had his problems with deep ball drops his entire career going back to aaron Rodgers. so uh, yeah, you're making ten million dollars a year. You got to catch that ball. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Rain, no rain. Uh, Patrick could have thrown it even more perfectly. No, I mean, you see it. His hands are right there. He's got two or three steps. You know, which is great that he was able to get that separation. But you gotta, you gotta finish the play. So they really haven't had anyone step up as that number one wide receiver or I guess the number two option in this offense, because Travis is always number one. And until somebody does that in a consistent basis, teams are going to continue to double and triple uh, Travis Kelsey. And, you know, he had a decent, I mean, he has not Now the play in the red zone. Yeah. You got to protect the ball. But if you look at the replay, I mean, That was just a perfect peanut Tillman punch. I mean, I don't know what else he could have done. He had both hands on the ball. The punch just, it was just perfect. He landed in the right spot at the exact right time. You know, I guess those things are going to happen, but it just happened a little too often to the Chiefs this year, especially in the red zone. So uh, Reed is very hesitant to push or thrust uh a rookie receiver into the spotlight. but I think it's clear and obvious to anybody who's been watching them play that rashie Rice is their best wide receiver right now. Hands down. Now that's not saying a whole lot, but he is the best one that they have on this roster and I, does he is he able to get that separation on the the play that MVS got loose on? I don't know, but let's try it. Let's put him in that position. Uh, because it seems like he's had his drops as well, but more often than not, he's come up big when his numbers been called even last night. I mean, in the limited, uh, opportunities that he got, he did make some plays. Uh, Justin Watson is again, a a great complimentary piece and he makes some big plays, but again, you know, the drop over the middle, uh, the play on fourth down again. It's amazing that, that Patrick throws a perfect pass. Again, you know, again, tough, tough catch. You got to jump. You're six four. You're a professional wide receiver. You should probably come down with that one. But again, he didn't. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's hard to kind of watch when the offense is struggling to see the self-inflicted wounds, the red zone turnovers, drop passes, penalties. So you'd like to keep thinking that it's going to turn around and it's going to change. Uh, But it's week 12 and uh, we'll we'll see. I don't know. I I just uh, I don't know that you can keep keep expecting a different result with the same guys. Uh, They're paying MVS he's a 10 million dollar wide receiver at least he's being paid that like that uh, I don't know that he actually has lived up to that now he had a great run last year in the you know in the during the playoffs and before the Super Bowl when when they needed him but uh, yeah they had to have it and he again drops the ball <laughs> again hard to watch so yeah uh, Again, hopefully one of these guys steps up. I don't know which one, but I I, I seem to think that Rashi Rice should get that opportunity, more opportunities than he's I getting. I
1: agree with everything that you're saying, but I'm looking at this Chiefs team and I just I don't see a team that is going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. I'm sorry, Lou, but I just I, I don't see it. They don't strike it as that that old Chiefs Offensive squad that can that can pull out those uh, you know those games. You know you're used to the Chiefs having a great offense, and now we're seeing something a little bit different. But the only thing is, if you're winning it with defense, you have to have the running game to kind of complement it, right? But they still prefer to throw the ball, and they should with the best player in football. Uh, try to get a downfield and try to get those big plays. Just this team doesn't strike me as a Super Bowl contender. I love their defense, but if they want to reinvent themselves a little bit more, I think they have to commit to the run a little bit more. I mean, almost like become more balanced, you know, in that regard. And they have become more balanced, but I just think they have to at times become even a running team. As crazy as that sounds, I just don't think that they have the weapons on the outside and I don't think they can they'll probably still be in the AFC Championship game, but I just don't see them advancing to the Super Bowl. I'm just I'm not trying to stick a knife into your in your back, but it's just it's what I'm seeing, you know? It's just I they don't strike me as a Super Bowl winning team this year.
0: Yeah, well, it's a different – like you see, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is a different team, and they're they're playing a different style. Uh, I think at, at one point last night, they had exactly as many uh, run, running yards as they had passing. At one point, it was like 168, 168, and it ended up fairly close, uh, you know, until that last drive where, you know, the passing yards went up a little bit more. So, you know, they do – They have again as 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 much as you'd like to see him run it more. I'm kind of surprised they're running it as much as they do because of what you know Andy Reid's background is and his propensity to want to advance the ball down the field by the forward pass. And again, like I agree, you know you can't blame him. He's got the best quarterback on the planet, so you want it. You want the ball in his hands. Um, Yeah, I guess that. The thing that that I have confidence in is the fact that uh, they have figured it out in the past. It's just not happening as quickly. You saw kind of an evolution last year away from the explosive plays because, you know, the the Tyreek Hill trade uh, and it worked. So I think that was kind of their their thinking this offseason was, well, we can draft a wide receiver. These guys will step up. Da 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 da, and, and we'll be fine. While well, they're finding that you know it really isn't fine, and it's not working as well as it did last year. The other piece of it is, is the rest of the AFC, where we thought this was going to be this big bad conference, and now you've got, uh, you know the biggest boogeyman to them, you know, is gone. You know, he's out for the air with the, with the wrist injury. He, he suffered against Baltimore, which was sucked. I really thought they had a chance to win that game. Uh, so, you know, burrows out of it. The bills are having their struggles. The Ravens are there, but the, you know, they haven't quite proven themselves, you know, in the playoffs, so you've got a bunch of different teams. You know, are, are the Browns going to be able to hang around with DTR as their starting quarterback? Or is, is the Steelers? They just fired their offensive coordinator today. We're going to talk about head coaches being fired. Well, you know, the cheat—they're the the Steelers fans uh, just got their wish, or at least a legion of them with the fire Canada chance. So here he's gone. Let, let's see if that makes a difference. But you, you look at the rest of the AFC, and right now. Who else really puts that fear in you at this point? And I think, you know, from the Chiefs' perspective, it's really only Baltimore because it's more of an unknown. They really haven't played them uh, in the playoffs during this run. So I hear you. Yeah, it's, you know, they're they're not scoring – as many points as they should. I mean, and they haven't scored a touchdown in the second half, I think in like the last four games, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, last night, I mean, yeah, were they in control of the game? It looked like they were at 17 to seven, as well as the defense was playing. And it looked like Hertz was struggling. I mean, I think he completed five passes in the first half, but hey, they made the plays when they needed to. They showed that you know they are a championship team, and you know God bless them. Again, they made the plays when they needed to, and they deserved to win. How about it. the
1: Texans, Lou? I don't think we talk about them as often as I think we should. I mean, this is a team that started the season 0-2. They lost to the Ravens, the Colts. Ever since then, they've beaten Jacksonville. They've bit, beaten Cincinnati. I know they beat Arizona last week, but it was... With Kyler Murray playing and CJ Stroud, you know, throwing three picks, which was really uncharacteristic. How about the Texans? I mean In the red zone. In the red
0: zone, too, all three interceptions. I mean, that could have been a real blowout. And actually. the kid but yeah, but but for the three. And interceptions. the kid
1: bounced back. I mean, he, he bounced back yeah. and continued oh, yeah. to play. And you know, he's the clear cut offensive rookie of the year, and a lot of people are pushing him for the MVP. And I guess he should be in the conversation because if it wasn't for him, the Texans wouldn't be here. Who would have thought? Six and four, Lou. I mean, we talked about it in yeah, the beginning there's... of the season that we felt that the Texans were going to be up there as, as one of the worst teams. And here they are. And, they, and they've and they got a huge test against Jacksonville, oh, by the way. At home, Trevor yeah. Lawrence you know, and company got it together this past week. And we'll see it, what transpires. and. They're they're going to be obvious.
0: That that game that that game is uh, will be talked about in the pick segment. So a little teaser. Yeah. There. So I'm
1: just saying that the, the Texans are the biggest surprise in the NFL period because nobody saw this coming. I thought this team was going to win one or two games. Give a lot of the credit to Demico Ryan's. Give a lot of the credit to their front office because they hit a home run with, with a couple of their picks. You know, like C.J. Stroud. Will Anderson, Tank Dell. I mean, they've certainly found some guys that are stepping up right now and just and playing extremely extremely well.
0: Yeah, I guess the other thing would be after losing Kirk Cousins, you thought that the Vikings would be dead and buried and here they are. Uh, you know, it's 6 six and five. I mean, they had every opportunity to win that game in Denver the other night and they couldn't get it done, but they were right there. They battled the whole way. And you got to believe that uh, they're going to be a factor in that, in that division. Uh, Although Detroit, you know, Detroit's probably going to win it fairly easily, but uh, yeah, the Vikings. So every year, and again, going back to the AFC as surprising as the, uh, the Texans are being in there, the Browns being seven and three, which again, with their struggles on offense, and now going to a rookie quarterback, you're like, what, you know, where's this team coming from? So you have like all these teams, but if you look at the playoff picture and you look at those helmets and you see Buffalo and Cincinnati on the outside, looking in, it just looks very, very strange. And, uh buffalo's got every opportunity to to come back and they probably will i'm guessing they'll have one of those spots when it's all said and done but cincinnati without burrow i you know i you gotta i gotta believe you gotta stick a fork (laughs) i don't i don't see uh browning leading them to the to the playoffs and it's just kind of you know at first it was rogers cousins watson burrow so you got like four big time quarterbacks of teams that had huge playoff aspirations that are all out for the season well rogers still thinks he can come back but i don't know what he's coming back to that's another story but all those injuries and especially burrow that's the one that really really hits you because it, it seemed like they were starting and get things turned around, and bang.
1: Jake Browning, I mean, give me a break here. The, the Washington Huskies' uh, former quarterback, I don't think he's going to rescue this team. If this team maybe had like two or three losses, and they were leading their division, we all saw how important Joe Burrow was to this team because in the beginning of the season, when he wasn't healthy, when he wasn't right at all, I mean, the team looked like it was in disarray. And we were asking ourselves, are the Bengals going to come back? Are they going to be able to bounce back? And once Burrow got healthy, we saw a different type of team. We saw, you know, receivers, you know, giving full effort, running good routes, the running game kind of picking up, the defense playing better. So he's clearly the leader of this team. He's one of the best players in the game, period. I just I don't see the Bengals making the playoffs at all this year.
0: No, I mean, for them to even win a few more games might be difficult uh, just because, again, I mean, when you have that guy, right, you have that guy, I mean, so much is heaped upon his shoulders, and there's several teams that have that guy, and you can talk about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burr, you know, these top players. When you lose them, yeah, you're going to take several steps back And you you see teams that don't have, you know, I don't know what you do at backup quarterback. I mean, who do you get in there? I mean, is it a developmental guy that you think is going to be something? Probably not. Even an older veteran that might have a few, you know, a few miles left in the tank, but you know, clearly isn't going to be able to. So you need somebody that can go out and over like a four or five game stretch win you two or three of those games, but you got seven games left. And like you mentioned, the teams are playing Alex. I mean, it's even with Burrow, it might've been a a tough, you know, been a tough go given the record at this point. So uh, yeah. And Buffalo, again, they, they fired their offensive coordinator earlier in in the well i guess it was last week now i'm getting my dates messed up but you know joe brady led the team this past week they scored 32 points albeit against the jets the jets can't score there's only so long the defense can hold up they made some big plays and they ran the ball a little bit so maybe there's a little bit of a change in buffalo but um every year we say it you know we say it but it's it's a historical fact that of the whatever 14 playoff teams like 5 or 6 of them are going to be different and you always shake your head like I can't figure out who these five or six are, and then you get you as it plays out. Oh, okay, the Texans are going to be one of them. Oh, the Browns actually got something going, but now they're facing adversity with the, you know with the rookie quarterback. So it should be interesting the rest of the way, and it's going to be very fluid. I think one through seven is going to be very fluid, uh, and maybe just the one and two come down to. Uh, you know Baltimore and Kansas City, but it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a stretch to the finish. So uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of good games coming up. What do you think? Uh, what lot- do you
1: think about these and- offensive coordinators getting fired after like week eleven? I mean, we had Ken Dorsey, Matt Canada. I realize the offenses are struggling. I realize that Josh Allen and the Bills haven't looked right ever since you know, yeah. last year. I, I get it. And I realize that Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett looks like crap. Okay, but the the truth is, when you're doing these moves, when you're on the cusp of making the playoffs, it's just it smells fishy. It's like a desperation move, you know. And if it well, backfires, bit, yeah. if it backfires, then what happens? I mean, Sean McDermott and Mike Tomlin will probably be out of the job.
0: Well, you're guessing that it's um, first off, it doesn't happen very often second of second of all both are defensive head coaches so it can't in their minds it can't get any worse so you try to make this move to hopefully you know it sparks everybody on that side of the ball to like hey wait a second we just got it we just got our position group coach fired and you and i guess the hope is hey let's we got to we got to lock in here we, you know it wasn't his fault and we're the ones that aren't making the plays and he was very close with Josh Allen Josh Allen's very emotional talking about the fact that his friend was just let go but maybe that's the best thing for him i mean you don't Necessary, you want to be close with that guy, but you, I don't know that you can be that friendly to the point where that guy has a difficult job coaching you and coaching you hard. So maybe Brady comes in, as far as Buffalo is concerned, and he maybe flips the script a little bit and, and, Really pushes Josh a little bit more to be a little bit more uh, judicious with him, with some of it with some of his decisions. So th- on, on that part, as far as the Steelers are concerned, I don't think Tomlin. I don't think is any fear of losing his job. The Steelers just don't do that. It was interesting that he waited till this time of year. And I think maybe it was that Browns game because again they're playing against a team with a rookie quarterback that their defense is very good, but I don't know. They their most explosive players, Jalen Warren, and they could only f- see fit to find nine carries for him. Now with those nine carries, he went for like a hundred and some odd yards. You know, scored a long touchdown, and really was the only bright spot of the game for them. Uh, so. I don't know. It sounds like the uh, uh, man, I don't know. It's, it's going to be split. There's, somebody is the new OC, and then a different person, the quarterback coach, I think, is the play caller in Pittsburgh. At least that's the way it was being reported this morning. Um, I'm very close to the Pittsburgh market, so you know, we hear all this stuff. And uh, the Canada thing was just it, you talk to any Steelers fan, and it was that was like he was like the demon. He's the one that's holding them back. I. I don't know. Maybe Kenny Pickett just doesn't have it. Maybe he just and this goes to and I wanted to talk about this, but this leads right into it. And some quotes from Tom Brady, I believe it was on the Stephen A. Smith show where he was just talking about the league in general where and I'm paraphrasing doesn't see the excellence, you know, in the league. Uh, the coaching is not as good. Player development is lacking, and he attributes a lot of that to the CBA rule in terms of the time that coaches are allowed to spend with their players in the offseason, during the week, and so forth. A lot of rules allowing – I want to get this right – allowing a lot of bad habits into game performance. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, some of the uh, lack of aggression, you know, taking the aggression out of the game. He's like talking about, well, I'm not throwing the ball over the middle because, you know, Ray Lewis was going to blow up my receivers. And that's a whole different ballgame. But I guess in this point here is player development. And especially at the quarterback position, it's like the expectation is you bring these guys. They should be almost ready to rock and roll off the jump. Uh, they get opportunities, they don't come through, some do like CJ Stroud and some don't and it's like, well, we can just get another one in the draft or you know that let's move you know move on and there's no play, no real player development going on. so that's what Brady sees. Uh, so with the offensive coordinators going, it's like they they don't have really many other moves to make. Right. And again, especially as defensive head coaches where it's, it's not their side of the ball, uh, it is the only move they have. I mean, McDermott, the next move, like you said, Alex, he's out the door. I mean, this is it. I think this is it is a desperation move because this team kind of hit their hit their ceiling or at least it looks that way. And now they're just trying to make it up as they go along. And hopefully you know, Joe Brady has had success in the past. I mean, obviously, you know, he was kind of the mastermind behind that offense down at LSU when Burrow was putting up, you know, all world numbers in the college game. And he's got Chase and Jefferson and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and like 10 other pros on that team. Uh, but we'll see. I, but again, I think there's a, there's a common piece there. The defensive head coach, And, uh, yeah, just got to get get that guy out of there, spark the team somehow. And if it doesn't work out, uh, I think in McDermott's case, he's out in uh, Tomlin's case. I think he's got enough skins on the wall and the Steelers just don't fire their head coaches, you know, unless it's a very desperate situation. And I don't see that happening.
1: Joe Brady was fantastic at LSU, especially that one year. When they just pick yeah. up magical numbers. But when he when he had three all pros on a college team. But he was the same guy that got fired in his first year in Carolina after going like five and seven. His offense in Carolina was atrocious. And I understand that Matt Rule was another head coach who was trying to, you know, place the blame on somebody, but it didn't turn out too well for Joe Brady in his first stop in the nfl after he was back in college so i'm not sure here yeah it was a great first week for josh allen and with joe brady as the offensive coordinator but we'll see if he can continue you know this time they've
0: they've got the eagles the chiefs i mean they don't have any i mean it's not like they've got many layups in front of them so we'll see yeah it just it has to play out but uh yeah, it's uh it's interesting. The the mid season coordinator change. It does and I mean I guess it has worked in the past. I think uh it was talked about uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, maybe when it was the door when Dorsey got fired was back when uh Harbaugh fired Cam Cameron, brought in Jim Caldwell, and they ended up going on that, you know, miraculous Joe Flacco like made his bazillion dollars through that through that run in the playoffs, and then they beat the other Harbaugh in the Super Bowl. But uh, that's like the one situation that where it came up and they said, well, it worked that time, so let's see how, how it rolls this year.
1: Well, there's one head coach that didn't flinch, even though a lot of people called for his defensive coordinator's job, and that's Sean Payton. Sean Payton stayed true to Joseph, and it has paid off. You know the Broncos were what one and five to start the season. They're five yep. and five right now, Lou. I mean, I, I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs, but it's really, I mean, it's excellent to see the resurgence. A lot of people are going to say it's all Russell, but it's not Russell Wilson. The offense isn't playing that well. The Denver Broncos defense has been flat out like they they've played extremely well. This especially the, the last. 3 or 4 weeks. They've made some changes in the secondary. They had some players come back from injury and they look like a different unit. I mean, that Broncos defense is carrying that team because it's not Sean Payton's offense. It's not the running game. Russell Wilson is playing mistake-free, but still, you know, he's not throwing for a ton of touchdowns, but it was it was great to see at the end of that game with the Vikings, you know, Russell had that some of that magic. I mean, and Cortland Sutton making a couple of incredible catches and one at the end. I mean, the Broncos are just, they're they're riding high right now. Whatever wasn't working in the beginning, they've certainly bought into it the last, like, four weeks of the season.
0: Well, well this goes to, I think, some of Brady's comments as well as where, you know, when Coaching matters. I don't care. I mean, these are professional athletes. It doesn't matter. I mean, coaching matters. And I think, it. again, in hindsight, you know, Sean Payton figuring out exactly what he had because he may have uh, underestimated it, overestimated it coming into the season. But once he kind of figured out, okay, one, he needed, in his mind, had to get rid of a couple of bad actors, and that was Gregory and Clark got rid of them okay maybe they were just kind of counterproductive in the locker room and maybe weren't quite buying what he was selling so it took some time for that to happen and then also figuring out how do we have to play with this team to win not necessarily his offense or letting Russ cook or anything like that How do we have to play to win these games? And Russ is extremely efficient, high passer rating, very, very good touchdown to to interception ratio. So it's not like he's making huge plays, but he's making the right play and then the necessary play when they need it, like the touchdowns, the two touchdowns, actually the in Buffalo uh, to Cortland Sutton, where it was like reminiscent of the throw he had in the back of the end zone to Tyler Lockett in Seattle, where it was like, like a 2.3, you know, next-gen stats, 2.3 chance or whatever. It was some ridiculous percentage that this play would be completed and somehow Sutton got it done. But, again, the other night, they really – it was hard to see. And it was like Belich- Belichick's idea of, you know, you try to eliminate as many things as you can to not lose the game, right? Eliminate all that stuff and then just make the plays when they're there. And again, it's not pretty. It's not exciting. There's not a, like a ton of big plays, but it's winning football. And he's figured out what it takes for this team to win. Now, can it continue? I don't know. I mean, there's only so many one-score games you're going to win, but the belief, I think, within the team now is there, and that goes a long way into performance spiking up. So it uh, should be interesting. I mean, I, it's, again, there it, the, the two... Through seven, well, actually, well, actually, the entire one through seven in the AFC, I mentioned it before, is going to be very fluid. Nobody, I don't think anybody's really separating. You've got several teams at seven and three, you've got Baltimore at eight and three, some six and fours, a bunch of five and fives. So all these games are going to be, you know, massive as we go forward. And it seems like every week we might have a different seven teams that are in the playoffs.
1: I just want to remind our listeners, this is the same Denver Broncos defense that gave up 70 points points. against Miami. I mean, the Dolphins just put up, I mean, over 700 yards of offense, you know, scored like 10 touchdowns that day. I just want to remind folks, that team has some superstars on there, all right? Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertain, and Josie Jewell is a good player, Uh, but it just, it seems like they've done a little tweaking. And the defense just looks completely different. It's not like they replaced all 11 players that they had on the field. Just replaced a few players and, like you said, got rid of a few bad apples, I guess, in the locker room uh, that weren't, you know, performing up to their standards. But it's just, it's amazing what a head coach, a a great head coach, can do for your team and the, the confidence that he instills in you, because last year the Denver Broncos were losing all those close games under Nathaniel Hackett, who is right. doing a terrific job.
0: Yeah, because there was a lot of mistakes, you know, of lack of discipline, especially the offense. The defense was good. So that was that's that's what was so surprising that the defense was so bad, at least statistically, at the beginning of the year. And uh, it was just like, okay, well, Russ is washed and this and this and this and this. And yeah, just lo and behold, here we are. (laughs) So uh, so uh, the firings have come from the coordinators. Uh, We lost uh, Josh McDaniels. So who else is up on the board? Uh, You mentioned, uh, uh, I guess, leading up to the, the show was Rivera. Staley and Reich I think those are the most obvious ones but you also have Bulls Arthur Smith and Eberflus kind of kind of waiting in the wings I think Eberflus should be in that first group more than likely I think he's done Um, and you hate to talk about you know other people's jobs but just it's not personal I guess it's just based on what you've seen what's happened in the past and as teams continue to underperform and especially the Bears, where, again, you've got the game won. You four minutes left, you're up by 12. You should never lose that game, and somehow they lost. Now, give it to Detroit. They did everything they had to do down the stretch to win it. Uh, Goff had one of his worst game. I think it is his worst game since he's been in Detroit, three interceptions. But, again, he made the plays when he needed to. The running game got going, and the Bears just didn't finish. So you, there is something to be said about learning how to win games, too, when you're up by 12 in the fourth quarter and you're not you're not you you went completely in the tank. And I don't know, again, if is it a defensive head coach saying to Luke Getzey, hey, we're just going to run the ball here, just take time off the clock. And they just completely I don't want to say abandoned what had gotten there, but it, it, it kind of looked that way.
1: Do you think anybody gets fired out of those head coaches that we've mentioned before the season ends? Before the
0: season ends? Yes. I don't, you know, hard to say. I think the, the most likely one, I think, might be Reich, and that's just because of the owner, where he's, you know, he's a little bit more, you know, he's hedge fund manager, billionaire, he'll write another check as, as long as he can get his toy functioning properly. So I would say he's probably the most likely candidate. Uh, the Bears, they typically, you know, wait till the end of the season. Uh, the Commanders, new ownership group, there's a chance, but I don't see it. Spanos, maybe. I mean, if the, if the Chargers, like, get crushed Monday night against Baltimore and it looks bad and it looks like like the game in, in, uh, in green Bay this past weekend, where again, I mean, you talk about drops. I mean, the chiefs, the the, the chiefs wide receivers have their issues, but again, the, the uh, Chargers receivers said, hold my beer because my God, I don't know Justin Herbert I mean God bless him but uh, hello I mean they had several several plays where it was just he's putting it right in there and guys are dropping him losing him in the sun and all sorts of other stuff but getting back to the coach I think again I don't know that any of these other owners would pull the trigger in season unless it was a situation like with the Raiders where the the coach where I think you might start to see that in Carolina and maybe it has already happened. Uh, That's where it goes away because the other teams seem to be playing hard. It's just kind of wonky where they just can't win. And maybe it's a decision thing by the coach or whatever, but the other ones, I mean, again, the the bears, when they have uh, Justin Fields are in games, the defense is playing decent, but it's just, one or two things missing It's one play here, one play there, but those are the things that win and lose games. And you got to do that. And, you know, that's some of it is coaching, but again, you also have the, the Jimmies and the Joes have to come through and it looked like they did for the bears. And they, you know, Justin Fields had a good game and uh, you know, DJ Moore played well, they ran the ball fairly decently and just, they could they couldn't finish. And that falls on the coach, I believe.
1: I think somebody will get fired. I'm going to place my vote for Washington because I think yeah. Ron Rivera has lost that room and I think maybe Washington would like to give Eric Bieniemy a chance. Like in the last the- 2 or 3 games Give him the dress dress rehearsal? Yeah, kind of give him the interim, you know, chance out there. I'm not saying he's going to become the head coach of that team, but maybe he, you know, he's able to inspire that team, get a couple of wins, and maybe that will be his, uh, uh, you know, addition. Like, maybe that will be his rehearsal out there. Because, I mean, the offense in Washington and the development of Sam Howell has been amazing because they can't protect him. To save his life. I mean, he's taking a ton of sacks, right? That offensive line is atrocious. But the fact that he's still standing in there, he's still delivering the ball, he's still completing a, a high percentage of passes, you know, he's throwing, you know, touchdowns, he's bouncing back, like, if he gets off to a tough start... You know, he's able to bounce back in the second half. So with that development, you have to give the credit to the offensive coaching staff and you have to give it to Bienemy. So Ron Rivera is I mean, what is he fighting for? You know he's gonna be gone at the end of the season unless Washington turns this around and gets into the playoffs, which I'm sure they won't. so give enemy a chance. And if it's not B enemy, you have Jack Del Rio, who's been a head coach before. And you can give him a chance. He can certainly take over the interim reigns. So, uh, and so I would just say that Washington is probably a situation keep uh, that we should monitor out there, just because yeah. of the ability to to give the, the the next man up the the ability to coach on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, because I think you know, in the interview process, I think that's kind of where you know at least the the word around the league or at least what, what we hear now from way far away, we're way far removed. We're not never going to say that we're insiders, but that's kind of where, uh, EB has kind of lost it was during that that process so maybe it makes sense to hey let's let's put him in charge and see what he can do these last six weeks not let you know G, you know he's gonna win all these games and we're gonna we're gonna run through the playoffs but it, just to kind of see what the operation's like how he handles himself, how he handles the team, how the team responds to him uh, much like Antonio Pierce is doing it in Las Vegas which, Again, I don't know. Mark Davis maybe learned his lesson when they didn't hire Basaccia, The way he, the team responded to him, uh, they beat the two New York teams. They lost to Miami, and but they were competitive. They were. It was a close game, and they were right there. But um, yeah, that, that that could that could be an interesting move. Uh, looking at it from that from that lens, uh, that probably makes sense. And then the fact. That the New York Giants, with their third-string quarterback, go in there and beat them, um, that had to be hard to watch. If you're, you know, you just spent six billion dollars on on this franchise, and and maybe, well, maybe it is time to go ahead and make that move. All right, so let's take a look at our MVPs of the week. Alex, you got to, do you, you want to go straight for it? Do you have some nominees, or how do you want to do it?
1: I'm gonna go with Brock Purdy, Lou. All right, that that's Mr. an Perfect. easy one for me. It's Mr. an easy Perfect. one for me. Yes. Yeah, he's he's efficient. He's completing deep balls. He's not making those mistakes during that three-game losing streak that the 49ers had in October. Um, he threw for three touchdowns and I'm going to say this statement. You threw out some you, you said before in earlier in the season. He gives you those Joe Montana vibes. I'm going to say that Brock Purdy is the best quarterback in the NFC, period. I think I've gotten to that point where it's not just him running that 49ers offense. He's doing things that makes me believe that he's the best quarterback in this conference. So we've got the best quarterback. I'm confident in saying this. He He makes some throws that some other quarterbacks can't make. And I love that pocket awareness. And he knows where to go. He's got incredible incredible anticipation. He needs to get rid of that ball before some of the other quarterbacks do because of that lack of arm strength, but he's completing those deep balls and that's the reason why I'm making that statement. He's making throws that a lot of guys in this league can't make, regardless of the offense that he plays in. So, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a statement like that. Not only is he my MVP this week, but he's the best quarterback in the NFC.
0: All right, so we're go- we're going full full in on Mr. Well, I said call him Mr. Perfect cuz I think that he's only the second Niners quarterback ever to register a perfect passer rating for the game. I think it's like 84% completion percentage. You mentioned the 3 TDs, 333 yards from a statistical standpoint, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, he and you said that, you know, throws that some quarterbacks can't complete he's making throws that some quarterbacks or a lot of quarterbacks won't even attempt. So at his young age, he has complete trust in the people around him. Uh, That's just his game. And because he does throw with anticipation, like you said, much like Joe Montana. Now, again, I don't know, or I'm the idea when I said Montana vibes was never, he was as good as Joe Montana, but at this stage of their career, just, I guess, from a, a body type, from, you know, arm strength type, and just the, the anticipatory uh, trait that they that they show, and they show it, you know, in spades on a regular basis. Now, granted, he had a little stretch there where he was a little off. Every quarterback goes through that. I mean, at very least, a guy that's was, you know, in the middle of his maybe like 12th or 15th start, but again then he has performances like this so uh he was definitely in my nominees so i'll just you know go through some of my other ones and then i'll i'll pick out the one that i that i ha- i i probably was going to go with Brock but let's let's give some other people some love you had mentioned earlier Tank Dell my gosh for a rookie what he's doing as a receiver is almost as is, is kind of uh I don't want to say shocking, but but as illuminating as his quarterback is. Eight catches, 149 yards, scores a touchdown, but it's just the way he's doing it, the way he can get separation. He's not a big guy. I think he's like 5'8", maybe 175 pounds. A lot of speed, a lot of quickness. Uh, he showed that at Houston, but again, coming out, there's always that label and it's been forever with the, you know, the air raid system and, and uh, you know, just Houston in general with the numbers that they put up that it doesn't translate to the league. Well, here you go. He's officially tank Dell. Don't ever call him Nathaniel. Doesn't like it. So tank Dell, certainly on my list of MVPs, Duron bland. The, now, again, it was a blowout in, in, uh, in Carolina for Dallas. And it's just that this is what Dallas does. They beat up on bad teams, but Deron bland returned his fourth interception for a touchdown this year. Uh, I think in history there, I think there was like two or three other guys that have done it. He's got like seven more games to get his fifth and set a record. Uh, you know, everybody thought Trevon Diggs was going out. What's his defense going to do? Whatever. This kid has done everything. It's been asked for him and then some. So I certainly got to make him a nominee. Jalen Ramsey coming off the injury had two huge plays, two big picks in the game. One was in the end zone. Uh, So you got to give him some love coming off of that injury. I uh, also had Trevor Lawrence bouncing back from the previous week, and <laughs> the Niners kind of, kind of put the kibosh on him. But he came back, a couple rushing touchdowns, a couple passing touchdowns, no picks. They win the game. But uh, I think I'm going to go with the rookie, Tank Dell. I really like him a lot. Uh, Ended up picking up up on both my fantasy teams a few weeks back, and he's been nothing but lights out. But just in the real game, I think he does a lot to really open up defenses and give C.J. Stroud the opportunity not just to get him over the top, but Nico Collins, Noah Brown, uh, who's our tight end, Dalton Schultz from – from Dallas. I mean, he's, he spreads the ball around and tank Dell making the plays. So I'm going to go with tank. Don't call me Nathaniel Dell.
1: Well, we've got a lot of praise for the Texans. You know, we've, we've talked them up during this show. Well, they,
0: they've earned, they, they've earned it. Right. I mean, they may, they may fall on their faces in the next few weeks, but, but at this point they're, they're a great story.
1: They've got a big game coming up against Jacksonville, and they they beat the Jaguars earlier on in the season. And that's my lock of the week, Lou. I'm taking Jacksonville on the road. (laughs) I think I saw minus one. I think they're minus one against the Texans. So for all the praise that we've given the Texans during this show I'm gonna say that Jacksonville is gonna show that there's still the big dogs in the AFC. What style. a great,
0: what a great segue into the pick segment, Alex. That's why you're the professional that you are. And as professionals, uh, I'm going the exact opposite. I am taking Houston plus one at home. I love you know my affinity for Jacksonville, my affinity for Lawrence, my affinity for Doug Peterson, especially Doug Peterson but you don't win you don't win every game during the course of the year and going on the road it's it's just a little bit different i think maybe cj got his interceptions out of the way he'll play a clean game against jacksonville and houston wins that one uh tennessee is at home i mean they're i mean tennessee i don't know what what they are what they are but carolina's just Uh, just a major disaster. I don't know what's going on with Bryce Young. I don't know what's going on with that offensive line. He doesn't have many weapons. It's just ugly. In most cases, you can't bet a bad team giving points, but the team they're playing is like an abject failure. So this is exactly when Carolina jumps up and wins a game, but I'm going with Tennessee minus three and a half. Uh, The Colts back off a bye. They're at home, minus two and a half against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, I don't know. Sometimes they show up. Sometimes they don't. In most cases, they don't. Uh, I'm going with the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts minus two and a half. And then we mentioned the Monday night game. The Chargers are at home. And this is where, Alex, you may have to pull out the pistol and shoot me because I'm going to take the Chargers plus three and a half. Yes, against the Ravens. This makes no sense as far as I can see, except for the fact that the Chargers are at home. Baltimore sitting there now with a half-game lead uh, in the number one seed. It might feel a little heavy right now. They typically play a little bit better at home, the Cleveland game notwithstanding. But I think the Chargers somehow, someway, like every other game, it comes down to a field goal. We're getting three and a half, so I think that's where I'm going to go. Let's go with Herbert to make some big plays and maybe a couple guys to catch some passes. Please, Chargers receivers, catch the ball.
1: please. Yeah, they need to catch the ball. And by the way, do the Chargers still have time to fire Brandon Staley before that game? Because if they do, (laughs) then I think they've got a shot. If they don't, he's going to find a way to, to screw that up.
0: Well, Kellen Moore's I mean, I they've got the offense rolling. It's just they just can't finish these games or the defense just gives up way too much. And that I, that's the scary part about this. But I think the Chargers will make enough plays for it again to come down to the wire and they'll probably lose on a Justin Tucker field goal, but with three and a half, then we win. So I'm gonna no, go But if you ones.
1: look at the Chargers squad, the roster, like the entire team, the the they have to have be we, better than what they are. Have we overrated
0: it? Have we overrated their roster, though? I mean, we can shout out a bunch of names, but overall, is the roster as good as we think it is? Not making excuses for Staley. He's, I mean, it, I, I don't know what he is, but this isn't working, you know, in terms of him being the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers he's probably very good at, at, at coordinating defense and he's a former college quarterback. He could probably coach offense, but not at this level. Probably. I think he's, a I good don't know. He, he might be a good defensive coordinator, but he's not a good head coach and defensive coordinator. I don't think he he's able to do both jobs. Uh, I don't know. I it, it just seems like Kellen Morris putting them in plenty of good positions. Herbert is doing his end of it. Eckler's putting up some numbers. Some of the receiving, you know, Keenan Allen's having a good year, but when it comes down to brass tacks, when you in the gotta have it moments, they just kind of don't make those plays.
1: If Sean Payton has this roster, the Chargers are nine and one. Okay, because they've got <laughs> they've got Justin Herbert, they've got Eckler, well, I'm sure, they've I'm got sure Keenan Allen, Khalil Mack. They had Joey Bosa before. He would have Samuel, Darwin he James. He would have. What else do you need? What else he do you need?
0: He, he would have He would have preferred this roster, too, I think. You need uh, even a though real coach. Five, That's though.
1: what you need. And by yeah. the way, I've been the biggest Brandon Staley apologist. I, I keep picking the Chargers to make the playoffs every year. But I, until they get a real coach, it's not happening. By the way, if you look at the Lions roster and the Chargers roster, the, the Chargers are much better than the Lions. Okay? Much better in terms of, like, well, the Well, again, it's that the, maybe
0: they have the bigger names, but... I guess when it comes down to, I guess, the actual playing, some of the big names either haven't been available all the time for the Chargers or they're just not consistent. Yes, I mean, you, Khalil Mack is a great player, but again, hes I think he's lost this step. He, I mean, he'll like have a, a huge game or what he had, like six sacks, and then you won't hear from him for a few weeks. Joey Bosa can't stay healthy, and even when he is, again, very inconsistent. Derwin James, all the talent in the world, and again, will show up in some games, and he looks great, making plays on the ball, run support, whatever you want him to do. He's like a Swiss Army knife back there, but it's not consistent. So again, yeah, in name and in bank account – you expect them to be much better, but I don't know if overall they quite have the great roster. And again, I, I don't know. It just it's it, something's off there. Uh, you can point to Staley and that's probably a good place to start. Um, so, again, maybe another one of those situations where you give that uh, coordinator that you hired a uh, an audition, if you will.
1: When give you have Justin last, Herbert, give him
0: the give him the last six games and see with Kellen Moore. Can you be a head coach?
1: When you have Justin Herbert as your quarterback, you're just wasting his talent. You should be in the playoffs every year, and that's just a fact. And and Staley is going to be gone by the end of this year. But when they get a real coach, I think we'll find out what this Chargers team is really made of. I'm sure there'll be some personnel changes, but I still like that roster better yeah. than two thirds of the team in the NFL and some of the teams that are in the playoffs right now. It's inexcusable that this yeah. team is not in it's, the playoffs. As we it's think.
0: certainly not a bad roster. I don't want to make that impression that it's a bad roster. I'm just thinking maybe we've overrated a little bit because of the names and how much they're paid. Um, so anyway, Uh, All right, so the pick, just 18 and 15 coming into this week. We got the four games. Didn't pick any of the Thursday. A lot of tough games on Thursday, and it's Tuesday. You know, injuries and so forth. We're just going to let those go. So these are Sunday and Monday night. Uh, So let's pray for the best, and the Chargers receivers start catching the ball a little bit for Justin Herbert. So for Alex and his lock, Jacksonville minus one versus my, or not mine, but the Houston. I, I do tend to pick them a lot, don't I? You <laughs> The do. Houston Texans, even when they were bad, I would pick them. But the Houston Texans plus one, we're going head-to-head head in that one. So, gang, we will be back next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for bearing with us through the break. And until next time, peace.